Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in views of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasuring to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not confirm any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Waiting, sir. Waiting for what? Private Doss. Who the hell is Private Doss? I always dreamed about being a doctor, but I didn't get much school. I can't stay here while all them go fight for me. But you figure this war is just going to fit in with your ideas? While everybody else is taking life, I'm going to be saving it. That's going to be my way to serve. This is a personal gift from the United States government designed to bring death to the enemy. I'm sorry, Sergeant. I can't touch a gun. She don't kill. No, sir. You know, quite a bit of killing does occur in war. Private Doss does not believe in violence. Do not look to him to save you on the battlefield. I don't think this is a question of religion. I think this is Calvin. I'm not with you because you are like anyone else. You're saying you could go to prison. I don't know how I'm going to live with myself if I don't stay true to what I believe. With the world so set on tearing itself apart, it doesn't seem like such a bad thing to me to want to put a little bit of it back together. Private Doss, you are free to run into the hellfire of battle without a single weapon to protect yourself. Good evening. Good evening. Dear, that's not a good start, <laughs> is it? Good evening. It's better. Show you a film trailer. Send you all to sleep. Private Desmond Doss walked into one of the bloodiest battles of World War II's Pacific with nothing to protect him apart from his Bible and his faith in God. He was a devout Seventh-day Adventist and a conscientious objector, and he'd enlisted as a medic, and he refused to carry a rifle. The fighting, as we've just seen, took place on the Maida Escarpment in April 1945. The battlefield, which was located at the top of a sheer 400-foot cliff, was covered with a deadly network of machine gun nests and booby traps. This escarpment, nicknamed Hacksaw Ridge, because of that treacherously steep cliff, was key to winning this battle. The mission was thought to be near impossible, and when Doss's battalion were ordered to retreat, the medic refused to leave his fallen soldiers behind. Facing heavy machine gun fire, Doss repeatedly ran into the kill zone alone, carrying wounded soldiers to the edge of the cliff 
and single-handedly lowering them down to safety. Every time he saved a man's life, Doss prayed out loud, Lord, please, me, please help me get just one more. By the end of the night, he had rescued an estimated 75 men. Doss reckoned it was around 50. His soldiers said it was closer to 100. They decided to split the difference. Desmond Doss made huge sacrifices. He believed something so passionately that he risked his life. He quite literally used his body as a living sacrifice. Desmond Doss sacrificed because of his belief that Jesus had sacrificed for him. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you um, for the sacrifices that so many people have made over the years so that we can be free today. But Lord, I thank you for the bigger sacrifice that you made through sending Jesus to die for our sins. I pray that our hearts and our minds can be open tonight as we explore what that sacrifice means in our own lives. Amen. Hello. I realized I didn't actually introduce myself. I was in storytelling mode. My name is Hannah, Hannah Lockwood. If you're slightly confused by the notice sheet, I'm not Hannah Scracefield. Uh, It's very confusing. There's lots of Hannahs in this church. I'm the youth worker's wife, not the vicar's wife. Um, Let's just put that one out there right at the beginning. Um, They're even sitting next to each other. Um, Romans 12. Romans 12 is what we're looking at tonight, and specifically verses 1 and 2. And there's a really important reason for this. We talked as legacy and we talked as leaders about doing an Unplugged on the whole of Romans 12. And we just came to this conclusion that Romans 12, 1 and 2 are such meaty verses. They're the sort of verses that if you do a whole kind of service on the whole chapter, they're the sort of verses you skim over to get to the rest. And actually, this isn't to take them out of context But I really, truly believe that Romans 12, verses 1 to 2 are so vital in our own walks with God. So that's what I'm going to be speaking about tonight. So it's already been beautifully read. I'm just going to read it again. Romans 12, 1 to 2 says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And the first thing I want to draw out tonight, and it would be good to keep your Bibles open if they are, is this word that begins Romans 12, therefore. We must never ignore a therefore in the Bible. I did a three-year theology degree, and that's one of the only things I can remember. We must never ignore a therefore in the Bible. It's always pointing us to something that has happened previously. In this case, Paul is pointing the listener to the previous 11 chapters, where he has drawn out the foundations of the Christian life, how we should be living as Christians. Chapter 12 is like this turning point. It's a transition into the final section of Romans. So chapter 12 as a whole is a turning point. Chapter 12, verses 1 to 2, is like a call to action. It's the move from just faith and what our faith should look like, as we've seen in Romans 1 to 11, to this idea of faithfulness, how we can put that faith into practice in our own lives. So what does that mean? How do we show faithfulness in our life? Verse 1 again says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, 
in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Now we're going to spend some time tonight on that statement in view of God's mercy. But for a moment, I want us to think about this command to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. And I've been dwelling on this a lot this week. And I just keep coming back to how big a statement it seems to be. How drastic, you could say, it seems to be. Through our faith in Jesus Christ as Christians, because I think it's important to note this is being written to Paul's brothers and sisters, Christians, we are not only told to be different from the world, we're not only told not to conform, we're told to be set apart, and we're also being told to offer our bodies. The only thing that some could argue that is truly ours, our body, our flesh, our blood, This passage seems to be saying we offer that up. But what does that mean? This idea of sacrifice is wording that the early church would have understood. Now, many of them were potentially Gentiles and wouldn't necessarily have been partaking in animal sacrifice themselves in the same way that often we don't do that now. But they would have understood the language of animal sacrifice, of rituals, because of Old Testament law and through reading the Old Testament as we do today. They would have read about sacrificing animals in the Old Testament. But Paul, in verse 1 of Romans 12 is saying that sacrifice goes further than that. He's saying that every follower of Christ has a sacrificial obligation that goes beyond animal sacrifice that is required in the Jewish law. Christians can no longer just substitute an animal's life for their own. They're required to sacrifice themselves. However, this sacrifice is no longer a ritual slaughter in the temple every so often, It's the presentation of a living person to God. A living sacrifice. A life dedicated to the service of God. A life committed to God's will. A life which is lived in faith and then lived out in faithfulness. And actually, this living sacrifice doesn't stop at the altar. In fact, it doesn't even start at the altar. It starts when we say yes to following Jesus in our lives. And it doesn't stop. It continues past church, into our workplaces, into our schools, into our homes, and into every single aspect of our lives. Why do we do this? Why should we give our lives as living sacrifices? We sacrifice because he sacrificed. We sacrifice because Jesus sacrificed for us. Let's break that down. Let's go back to that statement in verse 1. In view of God's mercy. I want to break out into song. No? In view of God's God's mercy. What does that mean? Paul is reminding us, in one sense, of the many displays of God's mercy that he's already touched on in Romans 1 to 11. For example, Romans 9 to 11 talks about God offering hope to us in our workplaces, God offering salvation to those who believe in him. Based on the previous 11 chapters, Paul is urging the early church and he's urging us to act on God's mercy. You see, God's mercy is evident in his eternal plan to save us from our sins. It's evident in his plan to declare us righteous and to assure us of the hope of glory. 
when we believe in the life-changing news of Jesus. God's mercy, in one sense, is personified in the person of Jesus Christ, who suffered and died for us as sinners. God's mercy is evident in the life of a Christian, in whom his spirit dwells, and through whom he is working out his promises and purposes. All of God's blessings, all of God's answered prayers, all of the times we see God in our lives are the result of his grace and the playing out of his mercy. In his mercy, God has provided for guilty sinners like me and you to be delivered from our sins. The mercies of God enable us to serve God and should, I think, motivate us to serve out of a place of gratitude and of grace. Our obedience, our living sacrifice should be the product of what God has done and is doing in our lives. I'm going to say that again because that's important. It's all important, but that's especially important. Our obedience, our living sacrifice, should be the product of what God has done and is doing in our lives. When we break this down, I think it's important to break it down. I think everything we do starts with sacrifice. Stay with me. Everything we are, everything we are made to be, begins with sacrifice. Peace comes from sacrifice. Joy comes from sacrifice. Freedom comes from sacrifice. Think about this day a hundred years ago for a minute. Remembrance Day. The day the war ended. A day of triumph. A day of relief, of peace, of freedom came from years of sacrifice. It came from thousands, millions of people sacrificing their livelihoods, their homes, their families, their lives. Peace, joy, freedom, it came from sacrifice. Our peace, our joy, our eternal hope, our freedom, it begins with sacrifice. Everything we are and everything that we are made to be is possible and achievable because of the sacrifice that Christ made for us. 2 Corinthians 5 says, In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, and giving them, giving us, the message of reconciliation. I'm going to say that again. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their sins against them, and giving them giving us the message of reconciliation. Through that message, in order to achieve that living hope, that eternal life that has been promised to those who believe in Jesus, it starts with Christ's sacrifice. And because of Christ's sacrifice, we sacrifice. We should want to sacrifice because of what Christ has done for us. I saw this quote this week, and for me it kind of just summarizes everything I've just said in the sentence. Under the old covenant, sacrifices secured mercy. Under the new, through Jesus, the mercy of God secures our sacrifices. The mercy of God secures our sacrifices. So how do we do this? What does it look like for a 21st century human being to be a living sacrifice. 
Quite simply, every step we take, every decision that we make, is not for our glory, it's not for our gain, but it's for the glory of our Father, the one who deserves our glory. And this, I think, goes fairly nicely with Eddie's sermon last Sunday evening. Eddie preached on that we have a choice. I was listening. We have a choice that choose, that, to choose to follow Christ. We have a choice to go down that narrow path, that path that actually sometimes isn't easy. We have a choice to set ourselves apart, to not conform, as verse 2 says, to the patterns of this world. And this is a challenge. I am not saying we get it right. I am not saying I get it right. But I am saying that because of the mercy of God, we should want to be getting better at this each day. And I was going to end this talk, and I am going to end this talk, with giving some really practical suggestions of how we can be living sacrifices. And as I was writing them down, and they all looked really kind of great, and it's like, yeah, tick, sometimes do that, tick. I was reminded of an example that at the time of writing I was actually currently going through, where I had to make a choice to sacrifice my own thoughts and feelings for someone else. So I'm going to share that with you if that's okay. It's very brief. So this week there was an incident in one of my classes. I'm a teacher in my first year of teaching. And I'm not going to go into the incident, obviously, but it was a really nasty incident. Um, it was between a student and myself. The student was really not particularly nice um, and left me feeling really quite vulnerable, actually, if I'm honest. Left me feeling quite hurt. Um, it left me feeling very emotional and really angry. Really angry. And... I spoke to lots of people in the school. I had fantastic support from my boss and her boss. And I, I went into the drama office. Great place to go if you're feeling a bit dramatic, because they get it. Went into the drama office, and they let me cry, and they let me wallow. And, and I needed it. I'm not saying I didn't need it. And they gave me that support. But I was, in a sense, I was getting more angry. I was wallowing more and more and getting more and more self-obsessed in how cross I was with this student. And as I tend to do and often regret in situations like this, I text Matt, my husband, um, and everyone else. I'd text a few people and everyone had gone, oh, are you okay? I'm really sorry that happened. Um, How can we support you? And I'm not saying he didn't do those things. He got there eventually. But... What he initially replied with, I was sitting at my desk and I was on my own in the classroom and I was really cross and um, quite emotional. And I sent him a long text about what had happened, how frustrated I was, um, how, how bad this student was, like, don't you agree? Um, and he sent me a really simple three-worded text back. Pray for them. Yeah. Pray for them. And if I'm honest, where's my phone? I looked at it, I locked my phone, and I threw my phone on the ground. That's what I did. And then I sat there for a bit longer, and I went back to my phone, and unlocked it, and thought, all right, all right, I can do this. And I did pray for that student. And I'm not expecting a reward for that. 
I did pray for that student. And actually, more so, and me and Matt then prayed about it that evening as well, I prayed that my heart could be changed towards that student. The next day we were at school, and I was at school, and we had a big presentation on different students that have really challenging home situations. And this student, obviously, was in this presentation. And I really did, I really did have compassion towards this student. I was still cross, I was still frustrated, but there was a change of heart there. Now, why am I telling you that? Maybe you're sitting there thinking, that's really, really simple, that's really obvious. But actually, I had to make a choice in that moment. And it took me a while, but I did have to make a choice to sacrifice how I was feeling, sacrifice my hurt, sacrifice my wallowing to Matt. I was never going to get, but I had to sacrifice it. I had to sacrifice my anger. And instead, I had to choose to pray for that person that had hurt me. I had to sacrifice my hurting heart, rightly hurting, but selfish heart, for a more Christ-like heart. Romans 12 is telling us to be living sacrifices on its own, which on its own is a massive statement. But when we break it down, it's things like that that we can do each day. It's my helpful volunteer ready. Hannah, it's all right. When we break it down, it's things that we can do each day. And it starts each morning. It starts by making a choice every single day. Sacrificing that extra half an hour in bed, maybe, for half an hour to read your Bible and pray. Resisting from gossip in the workplace, at home or at school. Being the one in your friendship group, or your office, or your classroom, who chooses not to swear. Praying and listening to God before making decisions. And then being prepared to follow God in what he says. And I don't believe it's just about actions. It comes into our thoughts as well. Thinking through ethical issues that we're surrounded with. Our views maybe on abortion. Our views and actions with homelessness. Our views on how we challenge poverty and how we support the challenge to poverty in our area. You're doing a great job, Hannah. Giving our money to help others. Maybe giving our money to the church. As living sacrifices, as people living out this command, we need to be constantly learning, constantly thinking in order to give everything we have, everything we are, to hold on to everything lightly because it's not our own anyway in thought, word and deed because he sacrificed for us. And this isn't to do with works. It's not because what we do saves us but because what we do is a result of what our saviour has done for us. 
It's not what we do that saves us. It's because we want to sacrifice because Jesus has sacrificed for us. Thanks, Hannah. So my question tonight, my challenge tonight to me as well as you, is how far, looking up at those words on there, how far are we prepared to go to offer ourselves as living sacrifices? And maybe you're sitting here tonight and you're not a Christian, and actually you don't really understand what I'm talking about, but you are interested in this sacrifice that Christ has made for us and for you. If that is you, I would love to chat to you more. Chat to anybody that you've seen up the front, serving in any way, someone that's brought you. Find out about that living sacrifice and what that can mean for you. But if you are a Christian here tonight, how far are you prepared to go to offer yourself as a living sacrifice? We sacrifice because he sacrificed. Amen.